He's not trying to win the ball. He's trying to stop and trying to hurt Kamara. And Craig Pawson is is a coward, so he was never going to send him off. And Jared Gillett is a fucking nutcase, so he was never going to send him <laughs> off either. But thankfully, thankfully, DeCorey is so shit, he got himself sent off. This is Paul McGrath. You're listening to the Villa Podcast. That morning sky gave me a look. So I left while you were sleeping. That's all it took. Well, it was another classic first day in Spain for me. <laughs> Landed at four o'clock, GMT. Get on the airport Wi-Fi straight away. It's half time. Villa are winning. I text you. I'm happy. You make me feel less happy about it instantly. <laughs> and then they make that worse. I have to go on an hour-long bus journey now without signal. After you giving me the doomsday scenario of this game, giving me the worst, the worst of this game. And you know, then about 45 minutes into that bus journey, a couple of old boys up the front start piping up about the results. Arsenal have come back, Spurs are shit. Like, Lynn, who's with me, asked me if I'm going to ask for the Villa results. He's sort of happy for me. I say, absolutely not. Absolutely <laughs> not. Because if I find out they drew or they lost, which they definitely did, draw or lost, I'm going to be sitting here now stewing with no internet. Like, I've nothing to even find out what happened. Like, Basically, I'm going to want access to as much information as possible when I find the bad news. I'm going to want access to a platform to rant on. Anyway, they overhear me. And then they say, Villa, is it? And I say, don't don't tell me. Don't tell me. Like I'll watch it later. It's fine. <laughs> they look at the phone. They make it. It's, it's even fucking worse. What did they look at their phone? And they say, oh, I expected that. That's way worse. Like this is like I expected it too, but I don't know what you expected. I don't think, you know, now it's going over my head. What did they expect? We all know what happened. It's a fucking disaster. Forget about it. It's over. Holidays ruined. <laughs> <laughs> we get to the house anyway at five o'clock, and I've already booked in with her that we have to get to the Irish bar because in the Gaelic football world, <laughs> Derry are playing Dublin, and this fucking bar, this Irish bar, is showing Leicester and Southampton instead on the big screen, and I have to ask. Can they show the big game that's on in Ireland? And they reluctantly they stick it on in one TV monitor, the one in the fucking corner, and it's in between the Leicester and Southampton game on the projector and some fucking golf game that's on the top <laughs> on a bigger, bigger monitor as well. So I'm watching this dairy game with no volume. Like, like Lynn's is very supportive of all this nonsense, and, and she knows that I'm doing a podcast later, but what she doesn't know, you know, she, what she doesn't know is that I still have to watch the Villa game. So any, <laughs> any plans that she has for the rest of the evening, forget about them. Like I, I know you know it's a ritual. We come out to Spain. I have to do a podcast about Aston Villa, but we still have to watch this bloody match, and then we finally get home to watch it. And it's painful. Then it's good. Then it's boring. Then it's boring. Then it gets comfortable. Then it looks like another win, another result for Results Man Emery. And then I look up, I do that thing, I look up our next fixtures. It's West Ham, it's Burnmouth, it's Chelsea, it's Leicester, it's Forest. I can't believe we're going to go and win seven games in a row in the Premier League. <laughs> and she's all excited. She gets like she she sees him in better form. She comes over, she wants to bask in this good mood. The holiday's starting here. Then fucking Kamara gets injured stupid fucking tackle and I have to watch these boys with Kamara not there for another period of time like this like this is the second time this season as well Kamara's not going to be there and I haven't seen her since <laughs> <laughs> just an all insight into going on holidays with me <laughs> yeah that that sounds that sounds like such an ordeal you sound distraught there and I'm sure you'll have the sympathy of everyone listening at home from your uh, first holiday of, I'm sure, what will be 20 maybe this year in Spain. So, sorry about that, mate. And it is funny as well that you seem annoyed at me there at the start, because after about after about 20 seconds of this game, I remember just how shit Crystal Palace are. So all that normal pre-game anxiety just melted away. But then I also remembered how Palace play and how we're able to play at the minute. Like They don't press high and we don't pass forward. We're a considerable distance away from what Emery wants. So I had to reevaluate my life, you know, what I considered having a good time was. And, you know, 
my expectations really. I had to accept that it's it's not going to be all sex and drugs and rock and roll. I had to come face to face with the reality of life. It can be bloody hard work, Conor. It can be mundane sometimes. It can be a bloody slog, and it felt like that. I feel like I've sorted through a fucking bucket full of paper clips by colour and size in an accountant's <laughs> office. But but when you get that paycheck at the end of the week from Big Mister Anderson, it makes it all worthwhile. And you hit the town, and you have your sex, and you listen to your rock and roll, and you forget about your troubles until the massive hangover hits, and it all comes flooding back to you. Your phone's ringing, and your fucking brawler who wants to who thinks you need to talk about things. <laughs> Well, it did start with a lot of fun, though, after after those 20 seconds of you being reminded of, of how tough it's going to be sometimes. But, geez, we, like, we, we, we deserved this one, didn't we? We deserved a bit of a laugh at Wilfred Zaha. And this this was good because Palace were trying to build out from the back. And Bobakar Kamara, oh, I'm going to miss <laughs> Bobakar Kamara. But he wins it back and he sets Brindia away and Brindia loses it. <laughs> and then Palace go away. And Zaha goes into that space, you know, that space we talk about in between Kanza and Mings that we haven't, like, they seemingly haven't had a conversation yet about who picks up the man when he goes into that space in between the two centre halves. And, I mean, th- look, this is on Kanza, really, because I think it's Eze who plays the ball, and like, Cash and Kamara are between him and, and Kanza. Like, uh, Kanza, Kanza, Cash, and Kamara are there before Zaha's there, so Kanza really should be keeping an eye on Zaha, and I don't know why he's losing him in behind him. Then Mings, is it good for Mings to hang back? Or is he a bit slow? Because he doesn't need to be that far back. Like, Hans is ahead of him. And I like that Mings is trying to play him offside. But I feel like he, he's not aware of where Kanza is either. So he sort of let Zaha go on through. But it was brilliant to then get the VAR check. Yeah, it often seems like Mings doesn't know where any of his other centre-halves are. He's always too deep or too far forward, it seems. And look, if it wasn't Saha, you'd feel sorry for him. I mean, he did he did really well to try to stay onside, and Ezra Kanza did his best to keep him on as well. They just couldn't figure it out between the two of them. And look, I'm, I'm, not, a, I'm not a World Cup winning FIFA best goalkeeper, so it might seem odd for me to slang off Emmy Martinez, but it is because... Emmy Martinez is a World Cup one and FIFA best goalkeeper that I am going to slag him off. I mean, there was there was no way that Zaha was shooting with that body shape and that ball position. In fact, there's no way he was doing anything other than drag it on to his left with the way everything was set up there. And I think I think when he looks back at it, he'll be disappointed. And I'm sure Ezri Kanza will be very disappointed at all his hard work in trying to play Zaha onside, counted for nothing as well. But he can go into the analysis session tomorrow if his health, head held high and only did everything he could to, to keep Saha on side. <laughs> well, the only goal of the game and the winning of the game starts, believe it or not, with Emmy Martinez. Emmy Martinez is holding the ball in the box. He's got his studs on the ball and the fans do not like it. And they're telling him to hurry the fuck up, get moving. But he holds it, he tells the defenders to split this pattern that we've been seeing and we're wondering what is the bloody point. And then he plays it out to Mings, who gives it to Moreno, who gives it to Dougie, who gives it to Kamara. And it's on, it's on, we're, we're away. We've, we've worked the ball out from the back against a team who don't press, like you've mentioned. But we've done <laughs> it, we've gotten the ball to our ball players, and Kamara looks up and sometimes when we want to be... We are so vertical. It's great. It's not doesn't happen too often, but when we do it, like we look so effective. And John McGinn's there, urging Kamara to play it into his feet, and he gets turned and he bangs it forward as well for Matt Cash to go striding onto. And then Per Anderson, you've talked about him there. He thinks <laughs> he thinks Cash is going to play that ball in front of Ollie Watkins. <laughs> <laughs> He thinks Cash is going to be able to do that. Cash hacks it, pulls it back like he always does. And Anderson is flying in thinking he's going to play it in front of Watkins. And instead, he kicks the ball right into the net. Yeah, this this is really the other side of all that standing around we were doing on the ball. and The, the patience, I think, is the polite way of putting it. It paid off. It created the spaces between their lines and... This time we did. We played two straight passes. Kamara went in and took it, and McGinn held his position, which is absolutely crucial. And the pass from McGinn is perfect. 
and the pass from cash then is shite like you said i mean it's a, it's a bad first touch followed by a worse cross and for the first two months of the season we were told that that Anderson was the best ball playing defender in the world, and he and he and he shows how good he is here. We both feet, he flicks it up with his left, and he obviously makes no mistake once he gets it on to his right. It was a really cool finish from the big man. <laughs> Watkins was raging as well. He was like, <laughs> this would have been the easiest of all six goals in the last six games, and like, he didn't even celebrate that ball going in. It was like, oh, for fuck's sake, Anderson! Like, just like we all would have been happier here if you had a left it, I would have scored. You wouldn't have had an OG. Come on, man, get with the program. Uh, yeah, but I did think that was odd. He just kind of turned away, didn't he? Like, yeah. Cash ran past him and had to go to Moreno to get somebody to celebrate with. Yeah, poor Cash didn't know what to do. I think he didn't realize that he is now the one who has to celebrate. You've caused the OG, but it was that <laughs> it, it was that bad an OG that yeah, well, like it wasn't even like he could claim it like a forward, like he shot or like he just. He had a bad cross and the defenders kicked it into the net so nobody knew really who to celebrate with. Ollie Watkins there definitely wasn't celebrating. Look, we'll leave that there and we'll come back with some WhatsApp wins. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. This couple of finds they rattle through firstly Emmy Buendia runs the ball out of play what a great corner routine this was <laughs> <laughs> didn't quite work did it yeah in the in the 27th year of his life in his 64th appearance for Aston Villa and over 300 senior appearances in professional football senior professional football <laughs> and Emmy Emmy Buendia still hasn't figured out his physical capabilities he still doesn't know how strong he is or how fast he is. It's fucking remarkable. And it's, it's the first couple of minutes of a game as well. And when when you have someone like Douglas Louise on the pitch, it's madness to attempt a routine like that. I mean, especially one that's shite. Just fucking <laughs> get it in the mixer, Conan, as you'd say yourself, eh? Am I right? <laughs> uh, Jacob Ramsey also ran the ball out of play, but I think Klein just foiled him here. This was in the first half. He was coming down the left and... It's too close to the box for Craig Parsons liking. <laughs> He's not giving a foul around there. Listen, there's no no penalties been handed out here today, lads. Um, yeah, I don't know. Just thought it was a it was a clear foul, but one of those ones where people would have said, "Is it a soft penalty, though?" It is such a strange thing that happens in football, and everybody agrees that you shouldn't get a penalty for us pushing the small of your back, but everybody also agrees that you should get a free kick for a push in the small of your back. <laughs> Unnecessary corners. Tyrone Mings gave one away there. At least he had the good grace to to laugh about it. I say that. A different result here. It could be on complaining genuinely about this. What the fuck's he laughing about? That's not funny. He gave away a corner. We were under more pressure. Blah, blah, blah. Emmy Martinez gave him a high five as well to say rub salt into the wounds. <laughs> See, they had also seen the first 20 seconds of the game. They knew just how shit Palace were. <laughs> Speaking of Palace being shit, the first WhatsApp wins, and I, I mentioned this the last time we played Palace, and I'm sure last season as well. Why, why are they leaning into being a Sunday league team? 
they, they are one of the biggest scumbag sides that, that Villa have ever played against. I, I don't understand how Patrick Vieira has cobbled together what is usually a very attacking lineup, and they never really attack. They don't really do anything. <laughs> they just have attacking players on the pitch, and they go about sizing down anybody that has the ball. They're always late. It's always high. It's always just overly aggressive. They're just a, a hateful team to play against. And like, obviously, I've written this down before that the Curry stuff before before the two the Curry challenges it, 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 uh, on on. Kamara, and then on the player who replaces Kamara, ridiculous, and just in the first half, he just kicked Douglas Louise as well, that's the one Douglas Louise ended up sort of four foot in there, jumping into Dukuri, but it was like, calm down, like the ball is gone, just turn around and go after it, they're, they're a very poor, like it's amateur style football the way they play sometimes. Yeah, and maybe that's the problem, maybe he's, he's, he's selected players who can't play in this aggressive you know front foot when you're defending type of a way the way he used to play himself because he just can't do it because they're not that fucking good and the decorey one like the first tackle you know anything that's endangers the safety of an opponent is a red card it was a fucking game ending tackle what more proof do you need that it endangered the safety of an opponent yeah because his leg is wrapped around and it went through Kamara 12 inches off the ground from behind. Like it's he's not trying to win the ball. He's trying to stop and trying to hurt Kamara. And Craig Pawson is is a coward, so he was never gonna send him off. And Jared Gillett is a fucking nutcase, so he was never gonna send him <laughs> off either. But thankfully, thankfully, DeCorey is so shit, he got himself sent off. Like imagine being so daft. That a few minutes after everyone was watching Kamara getting carried off the pitch, drawing attention to the fact that you were very fucking lucky not to be sent off, you go running in with a fucking picture book yellow card tackle, and you do it against Callum Chambers, who's playing in midfield as well. Imagine being beaten to the ball by Callum Chambers. Never mind saving him down in case he does something dangerous. <laughs> You raise a good point there, though, about Decorey wrapping his legs around Kamara. We've become conditioned to think when we see the stud going under that same part of the leg that that's that's just not acceptable. Nobody would argue. Nobody in the whole world of football would argue that wouldn't be a red card. But it's the same thing. The impact can be the same. The the challenge is just as clumsy. It's just as dangerous. Just because the stud might not scrape the skin. It's still as it's still as dangerous for the player's leg, for his muscle, for his bone. It's 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 a reckless challenge. Whatever whatever part of his foot or his leg connects with Kamara's leg in that case, like the ball wasn't there to be won, not by him anyway. Not by him <laughs> especially. So we have to start I don't know, we have to start thinking better about these challenges. Like just because it wasn't a studs going into that part of the leg, it doesn't mean it's not a red card. Well, he's trapped his leg with, he's trapped Kamara's leg with his left leg, and he's put his yeah. whole body weight behind that as well. Like something is going to twist in Kamara's body because something is going to stay where it is while the rest of his body tries to move. It's a fucking <sighs> really dangerous tackle. And Villa Twitter account to uh, tweet at one of those things that annoys me. They can't do anything about it, but they just said back soon, hopefully. And I was like, oh no, like it yeah. usually means something a bit longer, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like it's inc- it's incredibly irritating. Like it's going to be very difficult to continue playing the way we want to play as well without Kamara, and that's the worst thing because it's not like we're far enough along the road here to just put somebody else in in place of him. Like I, I don't think we'll ever get to a stage where losing Kamara won't be a massive loss. He's that good. I mean, the, the squad obviously needs fleshing out, but there are very few Kamaras knocking around, and every time, every time I. Every time he gets injured, it's going to be a huge loss. And every time I remember we signed them on a free transfer, I have a fucking little chuckle. And every time I remember he's injured, I have a little cry. <laughs> Can't even enjoy two wins in a row, two clean sheets in a row. It's like all week now. I'm just going to be like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> going to be a good holiday. <laughs> Second WhatsApp wins. In all the hours of analysing and planning, do you think Unai Emery envisages the the Mings to Martinez combo being so prevalent? <laughs> <laughs> and I, hey, listen, 
you you know I'm not Emery out. <laughs> <laughs> but and I'm I'm all for like we've just got the goal. We got the only goal of this game from being patient and I'm all for the progression of this and it's gonna take time and we are getting better and you know, we joke and I know we got a goal last week from Ming's clearing the ball away, but we have come a long way from that being our only tactic. That was our only tactic for a stage. Ming's hitting it and hoping that Walkins can keep it in the channel. That was fucking insane. That was that was our football for a way. We're a Premier League team, the top league in the world. That was our football. That was our that was our strategy. So this is definitely better. But <laughs> but it's happening a lot, isn't it? Just Ming's giving it back to Martin. It has to be something better than that. It's absolutely incredible. There was one in the first half where Martinez was standing over the ball for about 20 seconds and when he eventually gets closed down, he, he gives it to Mings, who has as little space as Martinez did. And then Martinez points upfield as soon as he gives it. Like, why were you holding on to the ball? Like, you've yeah. given yourself 20 seconds of thinking time and that was your answer all along. Give it to someone else to smash it up the field. Like, imagine if you asked me a question about Aston Villa's setup and I gave myself 20 seconds of thinking time. And then just burped down the mic. <laughs> fucking, <laughs> fucking insane. <laughs> the, the only the only thing you'd really say is that once we get the ball into the midfield, it's game on. Like once we've broken that first line, we're a really, really good team. And even though while it's happening, I have these really destructive thoughts. Like if I have to spend any more of my life watching Tyrone Mings or Emmy Martinez standing on the ball, looking <laughs> upfield for an option, in inverted commas, pretending we don't all no, they're going to hoof it up the field or pass it to Tyrone Mings, respectively. If I have to spend any more of my life watching this, I'm going to have to invest in a pair of fucking titanium specula and come out to me missus as a fucking masochist because it's unbelievably, unbelievably irritating. But it's the fact that it will come. That ability to play out will come. The fact that we do get it out, when we do get it out, we're a bloody lovely team. That's the only thing that's preventing me from needing the eye drops. And we are very close. I mean, the back five need to make big improvements, and particularly Martinez and Mings on the ball. Jacob Ramsey has to make himself available a lot better. Emmy Bundia needs to make himself available a lot less. Like he picks he picks up the ball so close from the center halves, he could shake their hands and say thanks for the pass. <laughs> and he he also needs to get out of the habit of popping it off first time the way he's facing. I mean, I appreciate the sentiment, Emmy, of trying to increase the tempo, but nobody wants you to speed up how quickly Tyrone Mings gets the ball back. <laughs> Fucking slow down. Sometimes you can turn, pal. Uh, what a win. What a win. We, uh... <laughs> we'll come back with the awards after this. Both got incredible horses. The face on some of those lads, like McNeil, Wood. Like Wood looks like a big <laughs> a big GA midfielder, doesn't he? Again, we'll use his arse in every scenario. He actually played a blind arse early on in the first half. Does anyone sweat more than Ross Barkley? <laughs> it actually looked like he was going for showers regularly during the game. <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with you? John Walters' arch has never let me down, though. John McGinn's has let me down several occasions this season. <laughs> Rest. Like absolutely soaking. We don't care about no government is too prone to bad runs of form. He had a bit of crack in December and he was due a bad run. He's too patchy. He's too streaky. And that performance was the equivalent of a streak of shit in the toilets of a fucking bus station. Into somebody else's bosom. Bosom of possession, I mean. You know, like a bosom of possession, I mean.
let's start with the Peter Enkelman What the Fuck Award. I mean, Douglas Louise is never going to get away with that one, was he? Not when he's losing the ball to Jordan Ayew as well. Come on, Dougie. We know you can drop the shoulder. We know you can take men on. Just do that. Do one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Don't stand there and have the ball taken off you by Jordan Ayew. Yeah, I think the most surprising thing about this was that it took Palace 35 minutes to pickpocket somebody because we weren't playing very near enough tempo but luckily once again we were playing Crystal Palace and luckily this time it was Jordan Ayew that's double your luck really isn't it <laughs> this one's nominated it could go down as a Rosenthal as well but not really because we didn't get a chance from it but do you remember the Kamara ball to Matt Cash he plays it inside Cash goes on the outside and and he's through, and and then Cash is just staring at the keeper. He's basically asking the keeper to foul him. Watkins <laughs> is inside, like with his hands out, saying, "Are you are you going to play this?" And and actually, Cash is in as well, but he doesn't do anything. He's just looking at the keeper. He's standing over the ball, looking at the keeper, and he wants the keeper to make the decision for him. And in the end, he just leaves it too long, and think he eventually tries to drag it away from the keeper and hope he gets fouled and he drags it out of play. Weeks wage fine for Matt Cash as well. <laughs> yeah, it was strange. He looked like he was pulling out of the challenge from the keeper from about yeah. 20 yards away while still running at full speed. It was bizarre. And yeah, the decision to try and go around the keeper was strange. He needed to just fucking get that across the box, get it across the keeper, either towards the back post or towards Ollie Watkins. He looked like he wanted a penalty. He definitely wanted, yeah, he was definitely hoping. Like, I, I, I thought he was pulling out, and I was like, my cash doesn't pull out. My cash goes further in, if anything. What a what a, what a way to put somebody's uh, <laughs> personality. But, um, like, yeah, he, he's committed, and, man, and Ollie Watkins is right there, and he's probably got somebody else there, if he does, hack at it and, and pull it more than he wants to. <laughs> so there'll be people coming in late. But, yeah, I don't know. Any other nominations for the What The Fuck Award? There's one at the end where... um. Tyrone Mings just plays the ball across the box. And there's nothing that makes me feel worse in this world than seeing Aston Villa players, particularly our centre-halves, playing the game with a walking pace. That is that is when you can see the goal. I mean, I, I've seen it too many times. I, I, I agreed with seeing out the game, but they just looked flat-footed, slow. I mean, and these two, these two need to be on their toes all game. They need to be hyper-alert because their minds get very sloppy. Their fucking brains go for a stroll and leave their bodies to fend for themselves wandering <laughs> around Villa Park. And this was just this was just so close. And as soon as that ball left Mings' foot, I could see I could see the images of his jersey pulled up over his face and then slipping back down to reveal the manic chewing of his gum and the thumbs up admission of guilt <laughs> and pretend we've got this. But look, I think the pass ended up not making its way to Mateta or someone, and could have been anyone really in the Palace front line. So it probably would have been all right in the end. <laughs> a few big chances. The Ronnie Rosenthal Award started off with John McGinn free kick on the right hand side, in swinger. Kanza just ducked out of the way of it. <laughs> I don't know, was he trying to flick it back? Or he just got out of the way, hit off a Palace player. And he came out to Buendia, who volleys it. He seemed to volley it well, but it hit off, hit off a Palace player and went there for a corner. But I think he caught it well. Yeah, the defender does well to get out. It was a bad, bad cross. It was short, really, and it fell to Buendia. And Emmy, Unai Emery's Aston Villa don't need to be scoring goals like that, Conan. Like, you know, a free kick that's half cleared. We'll figure something on, something better, right? Something better, something cleaner. You almost said Emmy Buendia's Aston Villa. That's, uh, <laughs> that's good because I want to come back to Buendia later on in the in the vitamin meter. Uh, second chance, John McGinn has to stop using his head. <laughs> <laughs> we could be bringing in a fine for this pretty soon. Ramsey shift the ball. Like it, was, it was good play from him and he, he plays that ball. That ball that Moreno likes. Inside the fullback, Moreno will go around the outside. Justice for Ben White. But um, <laughs> almost overcooked by Ramsey. Moreno does really well to get to the byline, slides into it, and to lift it from from that position. And it's it's lifted onto John McGinn's head, and John McGinn's head just does weird things to a football. It's it's strange. You just I don't, I don't and it's never it's 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 never what you think could happen to a ball like to a round ball when it's off his head. It never comes off his head the way it should come off it like with the same power direction whatever else and this time it just sort of 
glances to the right to keep continues on his journey across the box, basically. Yeah, you said justice for Ben White. I just want to come back to that because you know Ben White starkly illustrated to Moreno where that space is. So justice for Ben White, as in he is now showing Aston Villa another form of attack. He's put something into Alex Moreno's head because he was so shit to follow him <laughs> all the way out to the touchline. <laughs> but uh, John McGinn loves just loves an awkward header, doesn't he? Like where was the scissor kick there? I mean, it was just a, that was a lovely <laughs> bit of play, and. And look what being in a good run of form can really do for you. I mean, we probably won't absolutely slaughter him for missing a big chance like this, but I don't want anyone to be under any illusion that had John McGinn not been playing badly, that we would we would have given him a pass for all those shambolic attempted headers earlier in the year. But I don't think this one was quite at that level either. It's not just because he's playing well. <laughs> the third Rosenthal nomination, I think there's three more, and... It's going to be hard to look past this one. It's Ollie Watkins. The, he pulls it off the post. Unbelievable move with Cash, Buendia. It's a one-two between Buendia and McGinn, but it's 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 bringing McGinn's arse back into play. And like we talk about good form, John McGinn's arse was on fire today. And there it was, like Buendia uses his arse, says, you be the big man there, you be the big arse up there, hold the defender off, give it back to me. Then Buendia, the outside of the boots, it's a good touch from Ollie Watkins. And it's, it's it's all there. Like the, the bottom right hand corner was there. He, he I think he thought the keeper would guess, but he could guess over to that that side. But it doesn't matter. It was still there, even if the keeper did guess. He was that close, and the keeper's position was that bad. And he, instead, he tries to pull it across, and he still he still should score when he's pulling it across. But he he pulls it too far and hits the post and, and goes wide. And ah, just a heartbreaking end to a great move. Yeah, Ollie Watkins and get the fuck. Like what a goal. What a goal that would have been. It was magical from India. Gets a great tuner to McGinn's arse, like you say. And the pass is lovely. The touch is delicious and the finish is blah. I mean you, <laughs> you get, give him a bit of give him a bit of credit that he's going for the corners, I suppose. Oh, yeah. Seven seven games ago he would have hit that straight at the keeper. <laughs> yeah. It's just you always just want your striker to score, don't you? Especially ah. especially when he scored five games in a row, and especially when you have him in your fantasy team. Uh, <laughs> you want you want your striker to score a goal like that, because that just would have been an absolute would have been one of the best goals I've seen. It was incredible. It was just such a lovely, lovely piece of play. Yeah. The next nomination <laughs> Leon Bailey had just caught inside on his left foot and just got blocked down on his left foot. Seconds later, Leon Bailey goes on to his right and Leon Bailey creates another goal-scoring opportunity and this one's for John McGinn. Connects of it well. I don't know if he can do much else. You could ask, could he pull it more? I don't know the way it's, the way it's come at him and he has to, he would have had to pull that. It would have been a very difficult strike to pull that across the way the ball was coming at him on his weaker foot. Yeah, death taxes and Leon Bailey going on his right foot and Aston Villa Football Club getting a big chance. <laughs> Fortunately, it's on McGinn's right foot as well. Like, obviously, he can do more than that. It's not like he connects with the ball. Like It's just because it's his bad foot. He can't do much more with it. It's not a great finish. He hits it hits it decently, but he hits it straight at the keeper. He can hit it harder or higher or something. Yeah, I was yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, basically saying he could have changed the power and direction of the ball. <laughs> Didn't have much other uh, opportunity outside of it. The last nomination, why didn't Callum Chambers shoot? Why didn't he shoot? What a run! Like, what, where, where was he hiding this? Like, what? Galloping up the pitch like Declan Rice. And he plays it to Luca Dean. Luca Dean pulls it across. John McGinn slips, but the shot was on. I think, like, actually, not even in a fun. Oh, Callum Chambers can do some magical stuff. I think the, I think the shot was on. He, he, he had space. They were watching McGinn, and Luca Dean was a bit further out. He, he still had the space to pass it if he wanted to, but he also had space to shoot. It's absolutely lovely from Buendia to start the move as well. A little pass inside to force Callum Chambers. He obviously recognised that Callum Chambers had been possessed by the 2006 Stephen Gerrard. And unfortunately, <laughs> fucking John McGinn was possessed by the 1942 Bambi. It was uh, unbelievably frustrating. Cat Chambers probably should have shot. John McGinn definitely should have stayed upright. <laughs> uh, there's no beating the Watkins chance though, right? Absolutely not. No, pass the score. The, you let 
Oh no, it's not even a like Glen Whelan. See, I'm not used to going to negatives. Like the, <laughs> <laughs> the Tim Sherwood, we played two number tens and bamboozled them award. Only have one nomination, really. Like I just wanted to talk about specifics, and I want to give credit where it's due to Austin McPhee because I thought this was a good move from the corner. It was Douglas Louise. It was on Villa's left wing, the one that Douglas Wee should be shooting, really, so maybe we should be concerned. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he, he drilled it along the byline to McGinn, who, in fairness, wasn't on the byline, so uh, well, it wasn't an ideal scenario of a, of a, of a move. Like, the idea was great, but the, the execution wasn't really there from Dougie. But McGinn uses his arse to keep control of the ball. He has to sort of hack at it with his right foot to keep it under control, and then and then he scoops it up, he scoops it across the line, and it's it's just such a good move. I'd like probably not helped by nobody seemingly realizing that McGinn was going to scoop it across the line, so nobody got in there. But uh, definitely up for seeing that move more. Yeah, absolutely. And I think a few people have pulled out to the front post, which was the frustrating thing from my perspective for uh, for John McGinn. There, he probably could have pulled the ball back. I think Ramsey and somebody else had pulled Brook drifted out as well, and. I don't want to give too much credit to Austin McPhee because of that fucking shambles in the first half for the very first <laughs> corner that we had as well, where they have Emmy Buendia walking down the touchline and standing away from the goal as if that's going to trick. It's so uh, He's so deliberately out in the wing, walking away, not looking at it. It's obviously going to be fucking played to him and nobody was fooled by it. And that's why whenever he got back on the ball, there's a defender standing right in front of him. I mean, there's a defender standing right in front of Buendia, and that's one-on-one. We all know that Emi Buendia can't run past him. Unfortunately, Emi Buendia doesn't know that. <laughs> Let's go to the Ashley Westwood. Oh, he was playing award. I think it's Jacob Ramsey's second half, really. I know he came off then after 20 minutes in the second half, but I think he's struggling a bit in that position for consistency, and I thought it was made for him. I thought that position was going to really suit him and it still might and I think he's still showing moments but yeah I don't know I think he's he's dying out in games and uh yeah it's just it's just not being as ruthless as you like him to be and you know he can be yeah it's nothing to do with the position Jacob Ramsey can definitely play this position it's absolutely a perfect position for him he's letting games drift by him whenever he's getting on the ball he's not being as aggressive as he should be he's trying yeah. to play silly passes again today he played one too early to Watkins and kind of in between Watkins' feet. I mean, you're asking Ollie Watkins to do a lot there. It was the one it was the one that came back and Chambers got sent off for. It just ended the move. Watkins could have maybe dug it back out to, to Jacob Ramsey, but it was a shit pass from Ramsey to Watkins. And Ramsey should have just gone on himself anyway. A couple of times where he tried to run the man and it wasn't really on. I don't think he realised how physical and strong the, the Palace players are. I mean, he should know the guys rapid and really strong you can't just run past him and yeah he's just letting games drift by him he's not not making the decisions as well as he can still doing some lovely stuff obviously because he's a lovely footballer but maybe he's having his second season syndrome in his third season Hard to tell. Yeah, yeah well i want them it's 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 easier said than done getting confidence and stuff like that i want them to show a bit more arrogance almost now at this stage like he's 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 done his time, he's he's done his development, he's been talked about. There was a stage where people were complaining that he wasn't brought into the England squad at that level that he that he had he's, reached. And he's the was... player's player of the year, you know, of course he can be hard again. The players obviously think he's fucking good. Yeah, and that's it. So like this a player like that should never be letting the game drift him by. He, he should have too big an ego again, too too much confidence in his own ability to say I'm not going to not have a big impact on this game. Like, and, and to make sure he doesn't come off after 65 minutes as well. And I feel like maybe he's trying a bit too hard. Remind, well, this is just me looking. He didn't say anything. But Watkins was talking after he scored the fifth goal. And he was saying that, and I like this quote, that he gets frustrated or he got had gotten frustrated in the past because he knows that he can do this sort of stuff. And he just wanted to show people. And I was like, that's that's great. But what it was happening then was that he was trying too hard, probably. And I feel like Ramsey is is frantic, yeah, when maybe he should be. And and he's doing those runs that when they're not on, or he's banging the ball to Watkins when it's not on. And then sometimes he's on his heels when you want them to just go and he's just getting that wrong at the minute as well. The rhythm of it is just wrong. And I, I don't know, is it 
Is it because he's not getting as much as the ball as he wants to? I, I don't know. So, like, when he is getting it, then he's 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 just he's just getting it wrong in terms of what he does on it because he's not. I don't know. He's just not as involved as he'd like to be. But he definitely can. Like, when he is always involved when he's playing on that left hand side, and McGinn is just way more economical. I wouldn't say McGinn is as uh, prevalent in the game in terms of touches and stuff as Buendia mm. would be. But he's making making the most of it, and Ramsey just needs to. I don't know, he just needs to get it right somehow. He needs to figure it out, basically, is what I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, he absolutely does. And he, he just isn't, you're right. He's, he's not getting the he's not getting the balance right of when to pass, when to go, when to it, it's I, I, what I'm noticing is he's not getting into good positions to get the ball. Yeah. John John McGinn's always available. And like I say about Emmy Bandia, he is getting himself involved. Sometimes I prefer if he wasn't getting himself involved. Like you know, Douglas Louise is already standing there. We don't need another midfielder <laughs> dropping in to take it off. You need to be staying up there to get it off him. And whenever he, whenever whenever Bundia does that as well, something happens. The pitch just opens up, obviously, because Douglas Louise and Kamara will find him. But Jacob Ramsey's never just never seemed to be presenting himself for those balls. He seems to want he seems to want one pass to go first so he can come on to the ball. He likes that. That's his comfort zone. And he's not doing enough to drive the game himself. Jacob Ramsey should be dominating these games of football. That's the level Jacob Ramsey's at, and he needs to get back there. Do you know what Ramsey has never done when he's going on? Not even one of those runs, the those 50-yard runs, but even just a 10-yard run. He, coming from the left, he's never... <laughs> I'm aware I'm going to sound so simple now, but he's never just brought the ball to his right and had a shot. Just just cut inside and had a shot. He, he always, he'll always just play it to the fullback. Or if he does come inside, he'll do that intricate pass time with Watkins and, and try to get onto the end of a 1-2 that very rarely comes off. Sometimes it does, but he's running out of road and he's under pressure. He never just shifts it onto his right and has a shot. Like sometimes that will make him start feeling good because it'll make the crowd feel good as well. Like I think he just needs to start simplifying things, pick up the ball, Play it, go again, pick up the ball, take a shot. It's 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 an easy game when you're as good as he is, and he just needs to let let it happen. I said this last week, and you started laughing at me. You started saying I'd gone over to the dark side. I said I want I want this lovely players like Jacob Ramsey just can't resist trying to do something lovely, and you're like, oh, oh Liam, where have you gone now? You want them to spank at thee? In fairness, I said welcome over here to the dark side. <laughs> anyway, yeah, we'll keep an eye on that one. The the Vimin meter probably was a bit of the Vimin meter there, really, but going up, Emmy Buendia is back in the Argentina squad, and I have to say, I I sort of raise an eyebrow just because they're you know I think Emmy Buendia has been brilliant, especially of late. Uh, but I was like, yeah, this boy's losing out to Leon Bailey a lot recently in the Aston Villa squad. He's making the World Champions team. And then I watched him today and I'm like, oh, this boy's brilliant. Emmy Buendia is Aston Villa, as you say. <laughs> I think what you're actually forgetting there is that Argentina aren't actually that good. They don't, yeah. have, that many, they don't have that many good players. Alexis McAllister was starting for them in every game. Like, Emmy Buendia is as good as Alexis McAllister. Maybe not, maybe not quite there, but, like, you know, if he can be in the fucking squad that Alexis McAllister is starring in, fucking Rodrigo De Paul. Like, we all oh, know Emmy Bundy is a better footballer than him. Enzo Fernandez is a brilliant footballer and he changed the game for Argentina, or changed the World Cup for Argentina whenever he came on. But then, who else are you talking about that Emmy Bundy is battling with? Angel Di Maria, fucking 48 years old or whatever he is. Pa- <laughs> Paulo Dybala, like, Jesus Christ Almighty. Like of course everybody is in the squad. Latoro Martinez, yeah. are, you, are you being serious? And everybody can't be getting games ahead of these lads. Yeah, you should probably be starting actually when you start listening to people. <laughs> <laughs> he would be very good. Imagine him setting up Julian Alvarez or playing off Messi. And Jesus, yeah, we can make we can make some work there with Alexis McAllister behind him as well. Um, going up, Alex Moreno. Yeah, he was again. <laughs> <laughs> I, 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 again, he was he was good going forward again, but there's something weird about Alex Moreno. Whenever whenever he's running with the ball in the opposition in the final third, he's good. Whenever he's running with the ball in our third, he just seems to lose the ball. Like he, he just he never seems to be able to find the space to get out, and he, the ball always just seems to get toe poked away from him. Today less so, but it's just something about him that gives me 
gives me the jitters whenever he's whenever he's in our third, which isn't great for a fucking fullback. Yeah. Well, that's why we always go to the really solid, really defensively reliable defensive option, Luca <laughs> Dean, when we have to. <laughs> Instead of Alex Moreno. When it's a, when it's a big team, when we're going to be dominating possession, we have to go to Luca Dean. That's mad. Um, going up the linesman's flag. I mean, did you Palace understand what offside is or what? <laughs> going up, going up, and you're talking about this boy not being good on the ball, but going up, Tyrone. He didn't say that. In fairness, do I put words in your mouth? <laughs> going up, Tyrone Mings's right foot. What about that floating ball across the match cash on the right wing? That was gorgeous. Lovely little ping on it, yeah. And it's just good to see a bit of variability in it because God knows we're all sick of seeing him ping one of his left foot. <laughs> Going up, Matt Cash? Yeah, Matt Cash was good. Matt Cash has got his place back now, which is what we were asking him to do. Um, he's, he's, he's found the balance that I was complaining about him not having and about whether or not he should go or whether or not he should stay. Matt Cash is approaching his best football again. He's having big impacts in the last two games. Going down, Douglas Louise, not because of his performance, but because of his post-match tweet, where he said, eight paracetamol yesterday, three points today. Look, <laughs> <laughs> I appreciate the effort, Dougie, but you can't be, you can't be blowing your own trumpet like that. Like, <laughs> and I, and I think I'm also on guard. For is he is he making an excuse for the what the fuck moment? Is is he trying to let us know that he was actually sick yesterday? <laughs> so of course he's going to have one of those moments. It's not up to him to say that. The manager has to come out and say, and Douglas Louise, he was sick all day yesterday, and what a performance from him to give us all that. Like you can't say that yourself. <laughs> I actually think you're right, Conan. We don't want to. We don't need to be hearing that from Douglas Weed. But anytime he was talking on the pitch, Conan, which he had done, so now he's just mouthing. <laughs> but one last one going down really is this new rule that's being discussed by FIFA. So thanks to Nick for sending this one on. But the headline reads: "Football head towards a stop clock system." And whatever you think about that, that's all right. But I'm already seeing a picture of a big Aston Villa player here as the main image on Marca of all websites, and I don't like I don't like what I'm seeing. And it's basically discussing this uh, this decision that's being made, or, or all the talks is ongoing. The option is on the table and will be studied and debated at next weekend's IFAB meeting in London. Blah blah blah. It's going through the stop clock and the amount of time it's wasting in football. And you get into the meat of the article, and it hasn't bold writing. The anti-Emmy Martinez rule will also come into force as the goalkeeper will not be allowed to distract the penalty taker, for example, by delaying the penalty. <laughs> he slipped this massive detail on their defence, and is this what it's going to be called? Is, this <laughs> is that going to be in the rule book, the anti-Emmy Martinez rule? <laughs> I think the worst thing about this is that same article has the stop clock thing being in it and <laughs> to stop time wasting but decide to call the rule about shit how's really anti-Emmy Martinez rule <laughs> could easily both that's going to get very confusing like that was a ridiculous decision the other thing is it's in a it's an elite level sport sorry it's 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 anti-elite level sport it's anti-sport. Like, why can't people just accept that football is as much about dealing with pressure as it is about technical and physical ability? Yeah. I mean, it's it's not really that surprising that this is being driven by Arsene Wenger, is it? Like, you know, a, a man who presided over a club with a bigger yellow streak than Fergie's knickers. <laughs> Fergie from the Black IPs, obviously, not Alex Fergie, and he just had an itchy bum or something. But like, you know, as if penalties aren't easy enough for the taker. And as if there isn't a massive imbalance in the favour of the taker. But sure, again, Arsene Wenger spent the last five years of his career making things as easy as possible for forwards with fucking Almunia and Monreal and Mustafi. Fucking Coughlin must have played almost two hundred times for Arsenal. It was Arsenal's hard man. Like Francis <laughs> Coughlin couldn't have been more flaccid. Let the keeper be pricks. That's what I say. <laughs> oh, good stuff. Questions we can't answer, but probably will. Richard Hawkins got in touch with us on Twitter and he's asked, would you swap Zaha, this is Crystal Palace's Zaha, 
for either Coutinho, Buendia, Bailey, or Bertie T. Well, I'm going to say straight away that Bertie T's out. Definitely wouldn't swap him for him. <laughs> wouldn't swap him for Buendia, obviously. Like, he should be starting for Argentina, as we've uh, just discussed. <laughs> um, would you swap him, Zaha for Coutinho or Bailey? I mean, the Bailey one is definitely up for discussion because maybe a bit more similar. But, you know, Zaha's very unlikable, isn't he? <laughs> like, I don't know if I, if I really want them. And I don't know. I just feel like I want to just keep giving Bailey's right foot a few more months, see where it takes us. Imagine being imagine being such a cunt. You could, you could get booked after being fouled and being given the free kick. I mean, <laughs> Wilfred Zaha might be the worst human being I can think of right now. That's because you've decided to do this podcast so late at night. And look, I know... I know Bertie T had his snood back on today, but you know that's almost cute when placed next to Wilfred Zaha. And I, I know Leon Bailey stopped playing for about five seconds when the ball was in play today because he thought this was the time to start having a conversation with a referee about a free kick. But that's almost sagacious when placed next to fucking Wilfred Zaha's antics. And I, I know, I know Emmy Buendia doesn't know the limits of his body, but that's adorable when placed next to Wilfred Zaha. Like, could I continue to support Aston Villa if Zaha played for them? <laughs> I mean, I do put up Emmy Martinez, I suppose. <laughs> Which I'm sure everybody else listening to this podcast who doesn't support Aston Villa thinks is an absolute twat. Yeah, it's great though, isn't it? So maybe, maybe, yeah, maybe we would just very quickly buy into the Zaha and enjoy that everybody else hates him. I don't know, it's not going to happen, so it's fine. <laughs> <laughs> the only other question we can't answer not so much a question we can't answer, but a game. So Aston Villa have tweeted during the week when they were showing us some of those um, those screamers of players hitting the ball into the top corner from seven yards out. <laughs> and amongst those, they were showing a little TikTok of the Villa players arriving for training. So I'm just going to ask you, who do you think arrived earlier than the other? So John McGinn gets into work at 8.13am. Do you think Matt Cash gets in before or after John McGinn? After, good, good guess. He gets in at eight sixteen a.m. and who does he come in with? He comes in with Callum Chambers. I don't know how I feel about this. These boys arrive. It just feels like they were coming from the pool hall or something to come in and they work together. And Chambers has no gear bag. He's not even coming in with any bags. And he, <laughs> he's wearing like I'm not even going to make this a fashion segment, but he's wearing a big baggy jacket. It looks like someone out of Blazing Squad. You're, and he's not, you're not. You're not even going to make this a fashion segment, as, as as if you're as if you're being a fucking hero there. Like talk about blowing your own trumpet. You having a go with fucking Douglas Louise there a second ago? I mean, I, I could easily do that, Liam, but I'm not going to. I'm not. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> having a go at Douglas Louise for having the flu and then playing a Premier League football match, <laughs> and I'm blowing my own trumpet. Yeah, the trumpet's not going to blow itself. But yeah, like Ch- Chambers, I assumed I-, I looked at this video and thought maybe Chambers is injured. That's why he's got no gear bag. And Can then Chambers can't possibly expect that he's going to be playing football. <laughs> <laughs> so, Emmy Martinez gets in at eight twenty one a.m. Does Luca Dean get in before or after Emmy Martinez? After. Wrong. Luca Dean gets in at eight eighteen a.m. And unlike no Alan Chambers, yes. Unlike Callum Chambers, he's got his hands in both pockets and he looks sleepy coming in. Look at Dean is bouncing in, fist pumps for everybody. He looks ready for action. If we are going to make it a fashion segment, he looks like it's on out of a German Eurovision entry with a big <laughs> But Emmy Martin is, this will tell you everything you need to know about Emmy Martin is. He's carrying, look back at this video. Emmy Martin is, has two disposable coffee cups in one hand a flask in an all hand and a keep cup under his arm. He's carrying four, four things that can carry coffee. He is wired coming into training at 8.21am. Look back at this video. Yeah, I'd have to have looked at it in the first place to look back at it. When mm-hmm. <laughs> Dia comes in, big overcoat, love that. He comes in at 8.24am. Out of Watkins, Kanza and Bailey. Which one of them do you think is coming with a suitcase into training? <laughs> I'll give you a clue. It's not Leon Bailey. <laughs> God, I don't know. Kanza? 
I guess. Yeah. How am I supposed? How am I supposed? Like that was just a complete. That was a fifty-fifty guess. Like why? How, how would I possibly know that? <laughs> well, you got it right. Well done. What was your reasoning? Can't just carry in all that baggage from the Gerard era when he was so shit. <laughs> Who gets into work earlier, Kamara or John Duran? Sorry, are we going through every player in the squad? <laughs> Answer the question. Kamara. Good. Well done. Uh, One minute. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> All right, we'll, we'll just skip that. I only I only I only based that on the fact that John Duran seems to get, get on so late. That was the that was the <laughs> reason in there. Who in this video, like this is the concerning thing, because this video is not showing everybody in the squad, unfortunately for us, because we could have made a whole podcast out of it. But mm. who gets into work the latest out of all the people in this video? I don't know who's in the video. <laughs> well, I'll tell you one thing. It's not Bertie T, because I know your mind would go there. <laughs> who's Tyrone, getting... Tyrone Mings. No way. No way. Douglas Sweezy. You knew it was Douglas Sweezy. He was sick yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, he's like, I, I, am, I would like to know for my own sake. I, I am such a plonker sometimes because I'm, I would yeah. like to know when... <laughs> <laughs> what the cutoff time is like what when are they asked to come in the training why is John McGinn getting in at 8.13 and Douglas Ruiz is not getting in until 8.39 what's John McGinn doing is he coming in early is do you not think there was any way and no way you could have found this out no it would have added a bit of colour to this segment which you said wasn't going to be a fashion <laughs> segment which has had a lot of mentions of items of clothing <laughs> you could have at least looked at what time this was. that's the only interesting thing about this in fact they're coming in 20 or 30 minutes apart based on the times I can't really remember I zoned out towards the end I don't know what time Kanza was in at was he even the last one I don't think so now that I say it Douglas Louise was of course <laughs> the only interesting thing about this is John McGinn Douglas Louise what was the time difference in their arrival and who was being a cunt 26 fucking minutes was the difference so what time were they in? Why didn't you look this up? What time were they supposed to be in at? Well, the TikTok video is not telling me that. And they are cutting it off after, what, how many players is that? About, about nine, know, ten? Like nine, ten thousand. <laughs> <laughs> they didn't get the Verity T. I want to see who's coming in late. I want to know who I'm finding, as well as the manager. But uh, yeah, it's one to keep an eye on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a million for listening. I am um, delighted that we've gotten to... Two wins in a row, two clean sheets in a row, and I'm delighted that we are looking into five further victories on the way here now as well. <laughs> Without Bobakar Kamara, do not get your hopes up. But it's been a blast. Thanks as always. And if you want to share it on, please do. That would be really helpful. And um, it really justify me wasting another full day out in Spain here. But like you said, nobody's going to give me any sympathy for it. Like, what am I going to do? Tweets and podcasting all day yesterday beats today. <laughs> leave that for some footballers at our club but uh yeah please get well soon Bubakar Kamara and we'll we'll see you next time all the best Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 